For our scripture reading, we turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Start reading at verse 1. I'm going to read a little bit from 2 Thessalonians 3 as well to point out that there was a problem in Thessalonica with some. There were some that were not working as they ought, and the Apostle Paul brought this up when he was there in Thessalonica. And then he mentions it in 1 Thessalonians, and then he mentions it again in 2 Thessalonians. And so we, we look at it both from the viewpoint of the need to admonish those that are not working, but also the fact that love for one another. And in this section, we look at the section and see how this exhortation to work is connected with the idea of loving the brethren. We who have received the Spirit love one another, we love God, we will love one another, and one way it manifests itself is in our diligent working, each one in his or her station and calling. So we'll read a little bit from 2 Thessalonians 3 as well, but we start 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus Christ. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such. And see, we also have forewarned you and testified, for God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that, who that therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. You see a reference there to the Spirit. He has given us his Spirit, the Holy One. There's emphasis on the holiness. The Spirit we've received is the Holy Spirit. But as touching brotherly love, Ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more, and that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. 
For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And then we turn to to 2 Thessalonians 3. We're going to read, we'll read just verses 6 through 12, 6 through 12 of 2 Thessalonians 3. Second Thessalonians 3, starting at verse 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail not in day, night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. So far we read, from the scriptures, and then the text we consider is in verses 11 and 12 of First Thessalonians 4. There we read, First Thessalonians 4, verses 11 and 12, and that ye study to be quiet, to do your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly towards them that are without, that is, those that are outside the church, and that ye may have lack of nothing, or that you may be in need of, of no one. Dearly beloved, in our Lord Jesus Christ, as we consider today the work of the Holy Spirit, when we, in the first question and answer of the Heidelberg Catechism, talk about our only comfort, that we're not our own, that we belong to Christ, and that Christ's Spirit dwells within us, that we speak of the work of the Spirit also in that answer, 
And it mentions at the end of that article that the Spirit works in us to make us willing and ready henceforth to live unto Him. That we live unto Christ. Those who have the joy of knowing that Christ is in them. And certainly that was a great joy to Cornelius and those with them. They hear about Christ and then to know the very Christ they're hearing about is really in them. That that's reality. The Holy Spirit who makes us holy is in them and works in us both to will and to do of God's good pleasure. Now we recognize, of course, we have a beginning in this life. It's also the case that we have that depraved nature so that there's this constant battle going on. And we recognize that too. And as we grow older, we become more conscious of the fact of our sins, and of the, the need, how we need the Spirit to fight those sins, to fight our threefold enemy, to fight our pride. It's easy to not take note too much about one's pride, but for us to examine ourselves about our own pride or our own selfishness, That in all of our life we're to turn from sin and turn unto God. And the Spirit works in us. He teaches us the truth. He guides us to understand more what the Scriptures say. And works in us to live unto our God. Now, this chapter in 1 Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians 4, we have a number of exhortations. Paul was as was common in Paul's letters, he would bring up various matters and explain various things in the beginning of his letter and have a number of applications and exhortations in the second part of his, of his letter. And in chapter 4 here, he's speaking to them about how we ought to walk and to please God. Which is what we desire to do. How we ought to walk and to please God. How we show our love for our God. And our love for one another. And then he starts talking about holiness. And the great evil of sexual sins. He says, God's called us unto holiness. Not unto uncleanness. But unto holiness. And speaks of the judgment of God. The Lord is an avenger of all such. So and then there's that section on the significance of uh, of walking in holiness free from sexual sins and the grievousness of those sins. Then he turns to the subject of showing our love by being diligent in the workplace. He talks about us increasing in our love. Now we, we read that in a number of places and it's important for us, for you and to me, to ask ourselves that question, am I increasing in my love 
See, like a minister studying a passage and comes across that, sees that there's a number of passages that talk about increasing in our love, and you can see references to that in our confessions and in the scriptures. It's also good for the minister then to look at himself and say, is that the case? That my love for God's people is increasing. And that, when I, that I'm consciously, when speaking to God's people, desiring to express love. So that I actually am, and it's not just an outward show. We do love one another. This passage says you do love one another. It needs to increase more and more. And that, that's true our whole life. So that the 90-year-old person hears that exhortation still. And specifically, we consider how one area that one shows love is that when we go to work, whether that's outside the home, or whether that's in the school, or as we come to the end of the school year, thinking of what's next, going out to another school perhaps, or perhaps to a workplace, or perhaps laboring in the home, that whatever we do, we're to work as unto the Lord, and that we're to be diligent in the work that God has called us to do, with our goal being that we might glorify God, that working is our calling, that each one of us considers as a member of the body of Christ, my calling is to be hard at work at what the Lord would have me to do. The danger of being a busybody and always thinking about what other people should do. Focusing on what am I supposed to be doing and that I continue to strive to do it better and to be, doing, and to be diligent in that work. With my mind on, the glory of God and my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, as opposed to those that just have selfish motivations in their work. When they think of work and what they want to do, they, they think selfishly about what they want to accomplish, what they want to achieve, what they would like to have, etc. But they were to do it out of a love for, love for our God. And as we are diligently doing that work, we are to show forth our thankfulness to our God as those who have received the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and desire to live to His honor. So we consider this, call, this passage under the theme, diligently working. We consider, first of all, that this is a calling. Secondly, the love, that we're to do this out of love. And then, thirdly, the goal. And in that connection, too, we'll make reference to the, the phrase that ye may walk honestly towards them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. So diligently working the calling, the love, and, and the goal. First of all, with regard to the subject of working, First, look at it from a broad point of view of the subject of doing good works and then specifically the work that the Lord has given us to do from day to day in our day to day activities. First of all, with the subject of what is referred to as good works, 
One who does good works is doing what God has called them to do. A good work is one that's done according to the law of God, what God commands. And it's done to God's glory, that that's the motivation. And it proceeds from faith, from God-given faith. And we recognize and, and we teach a point that we bring out a number of times that we bring out that only a believer can begin to do good works. You may have an unbeliever that puts in lots of hours in the workplace, and yet it's not the case that he's doing any good works. He doesn't, his work doesn't proceed out of faith. He's not doing his work to the glory of God. He's got selfish reasons in what he does. He has some selfish goals that he's trying to obtain. He's not doing it for the glory of God. So from a certain point of view, people of the world would say, look at, look at this person's work ethic. Look how many hours they put in. But what they're doing is not pleasing to God. We also recognize that we can be glorifying God when we can't even go to work as far as outside the home to a workplace and we're lying in a, in a bed in a, in a hospital. Or if we're at the last stage of our life and our, our, we've grown weaker and weaker and it's hard if we can get even out of bed. That the Lord has work for us to do. And that we are too, and can, the believer glorifies God even when that is, even when that is the case. We're to constantly be imitating our Lord. That Christ is in us, well then the practical application of that is that we're to imitate him. He's, he talked about how he was always working. He said, my father is working and I am working. My father shows me what he does and I do likewise. As members of the body of Christ, we're to look at what Christ does from that point of view. He shows us what he does, and then we are to do what he shows us we are to do, and imitate him, who is our Lord. Now, we're to do that work cheerfully. We're to do it willingly, and we're to do it cheerfully as those who are genuinely thankful. Now, more narrowly, looking at the subject of the work that we do in our daily work that we're engaged in, specifically, the subject that's be, that is being talked about is the idea of working to provide for yourselves. That's the more narrower Subject that there were those that were not doing that. They were looking to other people. And you can have that problem in, in churches today. You can run into that problem on the mission field. And I've been looking at this and studying this from the viewpoint also in the work of missions that we learn about missions not only in the book of Acts, but also in the epistles and when we read the history about Paul's visit to Thessalonica and his second missionary journey, and then we read of the letters that he wrote, we read of the problems he encountered in 
his work in Thessalonica. This believed to be one of the earliest, if not the earliest, of Paul's epistles. So beginning in, in studying this book, we are learning about some of the things Paul, rather relatively early on, faced. That there were some, now it wasn't the case that they were all not doing this, but there were some that he was noticing, and he brought it up when he was there, that some of them, you're not working. You're looking to other people to provide for you, and you're not working. And then he addresses it in 1 Thessalonians, and you see how he used stronger language in 2 Thessalonians, because he's hearing, what he's hearing is that some are not listening to what you've said, and they're looking to other people. And that that's, that's wrong. And they need to be admonished with regard to that. Well, the application to all of us is that we're to be diligent in the work that God has called us to do. Now, for the men outside the homes, they're working to provide for themselves. But for some, it's the case that some, they are laboring in the home, caring for children night and day using their gifts, caring for the children that God has given them. And, of course, our, our work can change at different times of our life. We may have a time in our life where we have quite a few children at home. It may be the case that we never marry. It may be the case that we marry, but we do not have children. Or it may be that we're at a stage in life where our children are no longer in the home. We, it changes from time to time, but we're always looking, what would the Lord have me to do? And that we be diligent in that and see that as a, as a divine calling. It's something that God calls us to do. One of the Hebrew words for work has the idea of doing what one is sent to do. That you've been sent to do something. If you consider somebody sending you to do something, telling you to do it, and then you're going to do it, as one who has been sent. I was sent to do this. Well, that's the way we are to view our daily work that the Lord, what He has called us to do. And that we're to be busy in that work while we're waiting for the Lord to return. I mentioned that very relatively briefly, but one of the, and you see it right here in this chapter, but one of the things in Thessalonians that you take it's good to take note of, is how often he refers to the return of Christ. If you're studying the last things, if you're studying eschatology, you're going to look, you know, people would say, well, you study the book of Revelation, you study Matthew 24, which indeed you do. You study the Old Testament prophets too. You also look at Places like First and Second Thessalonians. Obviously, you look at the whole the whole of Scripture because these the subject is mentioned repeatedly. But I look at it now from the viewpoint that Paul kept talking about Christ's return, and here bringing this up with the diligent working part is the idea that. Waiting for Christ to come back does not mean we're inactive. It doesn't mean we're waiting in the sense of doing nothing. We're just waiting. We're doing nothing. Well, waiting doesn't mean inactive. We, we have work to do. And God has given us that work to do. And we 
It was the case before the fall that man had, you know, man had a calling. And it's true now that we have well, that we have a calling. And now since the fall, man labors in the sweat of his face. And there are all sorts of difficulties that he runs into in his work. And many of us are not farmers. God talks about thorns and thistles and so on, but we recognize there are lots of problems that we deal with in our own, in our workplace. There are difficulties we're going to face now since the fall. But God teaches us how to deal with these difficulties that we face. Learning to rely on him, learning to go to him for the strength that we need. Working with our hands, the passage says we are to work with your own hands. Now, that's the idea of manual labor. Work, manual labor means you're working with your hands. Some consider manual labor to be degrading. Well, whatever the Lord would have us to do is honorable when we're doing it to the Lord. As those that are do, doing work, laboring, whether it be manual labor or whatever kind of labor it, it be, that we are doing it to the Lord. Many of us do work. In fact, almost most kinds of work involve the using of the hands in one way or another. And when we, we what, whatever our work involves, we are to be doing it diligently, and when it says working with your own hands, that each one of us is to be doing our own work. And this refers to all kinds of legitimate work, proper work. We understand that some people get paid for things that are not right to do, but they get paid for it. But this is all kinds of proper work, not sinful activities that people may pay you to do. But proper work. And even if it's the case that we have plenty, you know, what would you do if you had plenty? Plenty of material things, plenty of wealth. Oh, we, each one of us has still got the calling to work, to assist others in their time of need. And that's mentioned in the marriage form. In the marriage form, it's mentioned that the man's calling, when it talks about the work of the man, it talks about him laboring in the sweat of his face, that he may provide for himself, honestly, and that he also might have something to give. Some may have more to give than others. Undoubtedly, there are those that have more. We're to have our mind on also the other's in the body, doing our own business, having our own work to do in the home or in the school and outside the home. There were those that weren't minding their own business. You think of how this subject, you know, in raising children, there's many sins that we face when we raise children, and we recognize the same things we face repeatedly in our own children. You see, as a, in adulthood still, we, we struggle with these things. 
for it's a typical, typical with raising children that you can have a child that is quick to find fault with the other children. And sometimes they're bringing something to you that the other child, that the child, the other child did that was wrong, and you have to address that. They come to you and they're complaining, so-and-so is doing this and that, and then you do address what they, what they tell you. But then it can also be the case that you find that a certain child is constantly trying to find fault with the brothers or sisters and quickly trying to come and tell them what they're doing. And then you do start to address, now you've also got to be thinking about what you're to be doing instead of just constantly looking and seeing what others aren't supposed to be doing. You're, you've got things that you are supposed to be doing. Well, that's true. That's true in adulthood, too. There can be those that are constantly looking out at what others are doing that's wrong. Their mind is on that constantly. This person's doing that wrong. This person's doing that wrong. They're looking for opportunities to find something that other people are doing that's wrong. And then they can talk to other people about what that person's doing that's wrong. And again, when certain things get pointed out, yeah, they are to be dealt with. There is to be Christian discipline. It's also the case that each one of us is to consider our own calling and what we're to, to be doing. Doing our own work. There were those that were idle and were busybodies. Idleness is connected with being busybodies in First, in first Timothy 5, verse 13. The danger of somebody being idle, not doing what they're supposed to be doing, instead being a busybody. Stirring up strife. Being a busybody goes with stirring up strife, and then there's not peace. There's not peace as there ought to be. We are to study, to be quiet. Now that term study, that's translated study, has the idea of considering it an honor. Considering it an honor, having is one's ambition. Considering it an honor to be working, doing our own work, laboring in God's service. And to have as our ambition to do our own work, to promote, to promote peace. That, that, is, to, that is our calling. Now in Thessalonica, in Thessalonica, there were those that were not doing that. They're mentioned here. They're mentioned in 1 Thessalonians 5.14, the next chapter, when it says, we're to admonish the unruly or the disorderly or the ones that are rebelliously idle. We're to admonish them. That's in the next chapter, 1 Thessalonians 5.14. And then as we read in chapter 3 of 2 Thessalonians, that there was a problem. They weren't working at all. So that, God, so that the word of God was them. Paul says, you know, I told you back, back when we were there that if any should not work, neither should he eat. They need to work with quietness and eat their own bread. And certainly, very briefly, you can have that in the church and you can have it in missions. You can have somebody that's constantly lazy and looking for other opportunities to get others to do something for them. They're always finding ways to get out of work and have other people do the work. You can have that with your children, too. You can find that a child, whenever there's work to be done, they sense that there's about to be work. 
that's going to need to be done, and they find a way to get out of the way so that they're not going to be the one that's going to be asked to do something. Or they may be the last one to get started, and then once they get started, finding reasons to take breaks, and when it's getting closer to the end, they're the first ones to quit, and you start talking to them about how they're doing this. You start addressing that in your own child, that you're seeing, that you're seeing in them that they're trying to get out of work. That's not the way we're to view work. There are those that can join a church because they think the church, you know, they're called to love one another. They're going to be excited that somebody from outside comes and they're going to welcome them. And when you express your need, they're going to be coming up to to help you out. And they can rely on that for a while until slowly people start recognizing, I think this person's really more taking advantage of us. Well, once that happens, they can... They can leave and go to the next. And then they can repeat again. Where now they're in a new body and the same thing happens again. And there can be people that are looking to the body to provide for them. Now, on the one hand, we want people when they're in need to express their need. And when people, and the deacons, we want people to make use of the deacons when they have a need. But this, is, this subject here is about those that are not willing to work. Second Thessal, the, the, the passage makes known if, in 2 Thessalonians, if any would not work, in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, when it says that if any would not work, the idea is if anyone is not willing to work. Not that he's not able to, not that he's sick or that he's injured or that he's older, etc., we're not talking about that. There are times when we, we need a, the assistance of our brothers and sisters and are thankful for that. We're talking about somebody that's not working because they're not willing to. And they're to be, they're to be exhorted. And it's repeatedly to be brought out to them. Hey, if they're not willing to work, they shouldn't eat. And... Another point that's good to bring out with regard to this is they're not showing love for God's people as they are. This is where we bring up the subject of love. It's, it's in the context of talking about loving. Brotherly love. Brotherly love means we delight in someone. It means we seek their good genuinely not merely that we're outwardly friendly, when inwardly we're not really concerned about them, but that we are really seeking their good. I think in personal witnessing, too, it's going to be important for people to recognize we're really seeking, we're concerned about them. And now talking about in the body of Christ, seeking one another's good, preventing their hurt as much as in his life. That's manifesting love. God has shown his love for us. God has shown his love. Sending his only begotten son. Who laid down his life for us. For you, for me. We think about that, but not as much as we ought. We talk about examining ourselves. Remember that... 
when the Lord's Supper form speaks of that, it not only says everybody's to examine his own sin, but also says, and the curse you deserve. We don't, we know that that's true, what we deserve, but we don't, we don't consider it as often as we ought. We're to think about what we deserve and love Christ showed us in suffering in our place. The love, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. God has infused into us a consciousness of his love. That's brought up in the canons, the third and fourth head. Which means you know God loves you. He does love you and you know it. How is it that you know that? It's again, it's the work of the Spirit. That He works in you so that you know He loves you. You know God loves you and we love Him who first loved us. The same Christ who died for us is in us. Well, that means the Spirit works in us to love the people of God. The same one who loved his church and laid down his life for her, that same one is in you and in me. We love one another. We do, and that's what's mentioned in the letter. You do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. He said to them. They were loving. Well, love is shown. We're to increase in that love. And one of the ways that that love manifests itself is that we're diligently, we're diligently working. It's good for us to think of our work that way as we go to the work in the workplace each day. So the man gets up, if he man gets up saying he's working outside the home, just take a typical example of the man, the younger man where he's getting up in the day and he's going out to the workplace and considering the woman that's getting up and has another day of caring for the children, just using that as an example. In both cases, it is good for one to consider that they are doing their work out of a love for God and his people. Not just out of a love for their family, although it is out of that. It is a, one shows their love for their family, but for God's for God and His people. And we see that in that this section is about increasing in love, and then it's talking about our work. Spiritual mindedness is shown by being diligent in the workplace. One might think that there's no relation between those two. Whether somebody is spiritually minded doesn't have any, some might think it doesn't have a bearing on how much, how they're diligently working in the workplace, but it does. This is what God calls us to do. And one who is spiritually minded, who is waiting for Christ, who has his mind on Christ's return, who's conscious of the Spirit working within them, who's constantly praying to God and is thankful for his salvation, is going to be diligently working in the workplace. 
and that, whether that's in school. Now, we come to the end of a school year. The beginning of this school year, when we have convocation, we often talk about, now be diligent in the work in the school. But also in the summertime, the Lord has work for you, children, in the summertime. It's different than it is in the school year. But he has something for you to do. There are things we learn in our childhood at different stages. We're to show love for one another. We're to help and assist one another. Even as we enjoy time together, if we go someplace on a trip somewhere, or would enjoy and relaxing together in various situations, in all, whatever we do, we're to do it to the glory of God and to show love for God's people. Those who don't, are to be admonished for not working, and they're also to be admonished for the fact that they're not showing love for the people of God that they are. Just as those that commit sexual sins, as was mentioned here, is to be, show, is to be pointed out to them, you're commanded to love, and you're doing the opposite of that. Even as that's pointed out in the text, so it's also pointed out here that diligently working is a manifestation of love. And when one is not working as they ought, they need to be exhorted. Now, you need to show love for God's people. You've got work to do. And you need to not be trying to avoid the work, not to try to be finding ways to get other people to do the work, but you yourself are to be engaged in that work. This is something, of course, parents, it can vary from child to child. You can have a child that's very diligent in one area and working, and you hardly have, you hardly have to tell them to. They, they, they really work hard in an, in an area. And then there can be another child that you find that you have to talk to a number of times about this various subject. And sometimes the wife can talk to the husband. You need to talk to him or her again, and the husband can be saying, I've talked. I have been. But recognize you need to, to do it again, as Paul was doing here. And sometimes you have to start using stronger language. And bringing out that we're members of a body. God has given us gifts, gifts and opportunities. He guides us. And, as we may, and our decisions in working should be, what would the Lord have us do? That's the question. We too can have selfish motivations, but our question is, what would the Lord have us to do? We're to show love. And the scriptures mention this and bring up the fact that God has taught us to love one another. God has taught us that. Paul said he didn't need to write about, their, about this because they are taught of God. Ye are taught of God to love one another. Verse 9. Now that's an interesting passage. Verse 9 says, But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Now that seems to be a reference to Isaiah 54, 13. 
So it's not only saying you ought to love one another, but also it's mentioning you are, you've been taught of God to love one another. You're a recipient of the covenant promise. Today we talked about the promised spirit was poured out. Well, God promised his people he'd pour out the spirit. He promised his people that they would be taught of God and that our children would be taught of God. All thy children shall be taught of the Lord. That's Isaiah 54, 13. And God says, now God has taught you. You're one of God's people. That's it. You're one of God's covenant people. He's made his covenant with you. The covenant promises are for you. The Spirit has been given to you. You've been taught of God to love one another. That's the idea. Taught of God. And then he says, and you do it. You do. You need to increase. And so it also is mentioning to a, you know, if you had a child like that, to mention you do love one another. You're not saying that they don't. But there's a constant need to increase. And as so often is the case, when we talk to our children, we're also talking to ourselves. And we recognize the same thing that I say to my daughter, that I say to my son, that I'm speaking to myself. Or if I say to my grandson, or to my granddaughter, make use of opportunities to talk to grandchildren about their calling and how they're covenant children. And God's given them gifts and to use them in the service, in the service of God out of love for Him. And the goal, so we do it out of love and we're to do it out of the right goal. We know that many, when they think about what work they're going to do, their mind is on how much they're going to, how much stuff they want. Or how they may get more attention. That's true in the world, but we have the same tendency ourselves. And it's true that when, in our work, we do consider, you know, we want to be able to help support our schools, and needing the funds to be able to give to our schools and so on. But it's, and it's not, and we do have needs and we can enjoy more than the bare necessities, but everything that we have, we do know we're stewards. And everything that we have, we're to use it to his glory. We know that's true. And our mind is not to be that we're trying to get the attention of people, to show ourselves how successful we are. Nor is it the case that we go to work because of all the troubles that we face in this life and personal relationships, well, we'd just rather be at work. It's easier to be away from people that we have struggles with, maybe in personal relationships, and well, we'd just rather be in the workplace. 
We don't view work to be some kind of a drudgery, that we just have to go through this, and really what we're interested in is getting done with the work so that we can pursue pleasure. But that we view our work, we are thankful for the opportunity to work. We're thankful for the work that God has given us. And we're to strive to do it to His glory. That's what we want to do. And we're having it as our motivation. We're thankful. Somebody that is thankful, that wants to express his thankfulness to God, wants to magnify the name of his God, just like we had this morning. They magnify God. They want to praise God. They want to give thanks to him. You think of the lepers that are cleansed, and then one, one comes back. We want to express our thankfulness to our God. We want to praise His name. Well, not only by our confession, certainly it is by our confession, but then it's also in our daily work that we're doing. And that it be evident to others that we're laboring as to the Lord. Not only that we are doing it to the best of our ability. Sometimes that, that's a phrase that we use. Children will often echo that. They've been taught that. You do it to the best of your ability. That's true. It's good to add to that. That you do it to the best of your ability as unto the Lord. You're doing it to the glory of God. You're motivated out of a love for God and His people. We want to glorify His name. We want to do what's pleasing to God. That's what this section starts off with. How you ought to walk and to please God. We want to do what's pleasing to God. And the passage mentions that he may walk honestly towards them that are without, which means that has to do with walking honestly towards those that are outside the church, that we're concerned about how those outside the church will see us, and we want to be a faithful witness. We want to have a godly walk that others in the world would see, we do desire that others would ask us about the hope that is within us. Why is it that you work diligently even when nobody's watching you? In fact, you can stick out today by simply showing up to work and being quick to get at what you've been, what you're supposed to be doing. People think, wow, that's quite something. You have somebody that's, that's diligently Working, seeing a young person like that or somebody of any age, that they get to work and they're, they're busy doing what they should do. And then as they're talking to such a person about appreciating the work that they're doing, have an opportunity to talk about that we labor to the Lord. We're laboring in His service. We want to be a faithful, a faithful witness. That we might walk honestly towards them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing, or that ye might need no one. That ye may be able to provide for yourselves. 
And like we already pointed out, there may be times that we need help and assistance, and we're thankful for the work of the deacons, and we encourage people times to make youth to go to the deacons. But that we see that this subject is about people that are not willing to work. We want to be showing ourselves we're willing to work. We're striving to do the work that we, uh, uh, faithfully, to be diligent at it, that we may be able to provide for ourselves to the glory of God. That's our desire. And that we help our children. Christian education is, an, is important in helping our children learning as the Word of God is applied to different aspects of life and also as they are being prepared for the work that they'll have as adults. The Christian education you children receive beneficial for you in helping you in your work, whether it be in the home or outside the home. Learning not only that you're, the subjects you learn, but also the learning to work together. Just like we learn to work together in the homes, learning to get along and to appreciate one another and to show love to one another, then out in the school, the children learning to work together. And to show love and appreciation for the different members of the body. We're united. That's reality. We're united not only as church and churches, but we're united with God's people in the nations. And our desire together is to, to praise the name of our God. As we wait, we see the signs of Christ coming. Iniquity abounds. As we live in the midst of that world, that wicked world, and as we're looking forward to his coming back, may we be diligent in our work. May we fight against our foes. May we look to our God, asking him for forgiveness for our many sins. We fall far short of this, looking to him for forgiveness, looking to him for strength. He taught us. He's taught us to love. He's shown us his love. He teaches us. He works by his spirit within us. May we rely on him. And may we honor and praise his holy name. Amen. Let us pray. Our Lord, our God, and our Father, we are very thankful, O Lord, for the work of the Spirit of Christ within us, within our children and our grandchildren. Lord, we do love Thee. Lord, we do love one another. Grant that we may increase. And that as we go through this week, too, we may have our mind on that, increasing, striving more so to love and to show love to one another considering the things we say throughout the day, the things we think, showing love, showing concern for one another, and being glad to get up and work in the day, doing whatever the Lord, whatever thou wouldst have us to do. Grant us that grace, we pray. May thy name be magnified by us and by all thy saints. Wash us in the blood of our Savior. And strengthen us by the Spirit of our risen Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.